on the property experience, our hosts Zarko Jokic and Anna Porter will take you behind the curtain of the property market Australia-wide. Welcome to Property Experience, and Property Experience is all about surrounding yourself with smarter people in the room, and today is no different, so we've got two very smart people in the room today to talk about the property experience. With me today, I have Anna Porter from Suburbanite. Hello, Anna. Hello. And with me today, I also have Nathan Smith from Birdie Wealth. Hello, Nathan. Hey, Zarko. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for asking. And I am Zarko Jokic from the MFAA. It's my pleasure to be your host for this edition of the Property Experience. And as I mentioned, it's all about getting the intelligence we need to make informed decisions in the world of property. Today, we're talking about property purchases with possibly no cash down. Is it a myth? Is it a reality? Can we do it? Anna and Nathan are going to answer that question for us today. Now, Nathan, you are one of the smartest people I know in terms of property. Tell our listeners a little bit more about the Birdie Wealth story and the Nathan Smith story. Zarko, uh, Birdie Wealth is a fairly new brokerage. We're coming up to our fourth birthday. Um, I've been a broker, though, for about 13 years now. Mm. I went out on my own, started a business, and it's gone really well. Uh, we were recognised by MFAA and a couple of other uh, industry awards nationally uh, in 2020, uh, which is fantastic and had really good growth. Uh, we've got a really strong team, and I think that's what has separated us from other brokers is uh, you're not just getting myself, you get a whole team that helps to uh, track and manage your loan as you move through that process. Uh, Birdie Brands expanded last year as well and we started our second division and moved into conveyancing. And what that allows for customers to come and see us and have their broker and their legal team working side by side and make that transition uh, through to settlement as smooth as possible. And after that, that's the whole experience is getting those synergies to work together. And sometimes uh, the finance side and the legal side can in some transactions be like oil and water. So having them under the same roof um, does present some advantages. So we're talking today about whether you can actually get into the marketplace. Can you actually secure a property with no money down? Is that possible in your experience, Nathan, to avoid the dreaded D of deposit? Can you purchase a property without a deposit in 2021? The short answer is yes. So I could just say yes and we'll wrap up the show and uh, <laughs> call it there. Uh, there's certainly more to it, but uh, I guess the backyard rumour is that, uh, you know, your, your uncle and your, your, your relatives are giving you advice saying you need to save your 20% deposit, go mm. and get your cash saved. And once you've got your cash saved, you can go and speak to your bank and, and they'll get you a loan from there. Um, that's certainly not true. There's a number of other ways that you can purchase a property uh, without any deposit or a very minimal deposit. Talk us through some of those options and structures that you could possibly go down. If you had a minimal deposit, what are the options that a, po a potential property buyer may need to have on their radar? Well, let's look at uh, purchasing a property on your own. So if you don't have the support of um, the family or there's no government grants available, if you were to purchase a property just on your own, um, you can do it with a minimal deposit. Yes. Um, you would need generally a 5% deposit plus to cover any costs 
Um, and, and those costs can vary depending on your eligibility for government grants and what state that you live in. Um, but as a general rule, I would say if you do have a 5% deposit and you're on your own, that's the time to go and start to speak to a mortgage broker and see if you are in a position to buy a property or, or what deposits then required. And it is very important that um, our listeners realise there's two elements to getting um, a property transaction completed. It's There's one element that is can you afford the, um, the loan once you have it. So that's the uh, ability to pay it back. But the, the most fundamental thing is, do you have the actual funds to access the property and uh, complete that transaction? So there are some options there. You mentioned about if you're doing it on your own, if you are going to incorporate family members, what are some options there, Nathan? There's another option called a family guarantee. Uh, which is very popular. We would do a couple of these loans every month. Mm. Um, quite often, people are in a position where they have good income coming in. Um, their expenses might be high, so they may be renting. And, and if you're in a capital city, it's very hard to rent a property and continue to save at the same time. So if you're fortunate enough to have a family member who has some equity in a property, rather than them having to gift you cash and, and give you any of their savings, they can actually put their home forward as a second security to help lower the risk to the bank. We so actually see this a lot. So we work with investors that are either first-time investors or are coming into um, being the first home buyer altogether. They may have not bought anything before at all. And nearly all of our clients buy without any cash down. They either use equity in their own home or a family member. So it's quite interesting. You know, even clients of ours that do have a bit of cash savings often keep that for themselves and find a way to tap into equity so they get the best tax positioning and they can keep the cash for a rainy day. So it's a very popular product. So if we, if we do a bit of a deep dive on the family aspect, you mentioned the family guarantees, another name that they're given. Is this family member on the hook for this loan for the term of the loan? It's always important that they get some advice, um, some legal advice and some financial advice before they put their property forward because there's certainly some risks that they're tying themselves into. Yeah. Um, the family member is there to help reduce the risk by putting forward security. So the applicant still needs to be able to show that they can afford a loan themselves, um, that their credit history is clear and that they've got uh, reasonable living expenses. That needs to be done on their own. All the parent is doing is assisting by giving a portion of their equity forward um, to lower the risk to the bank. And down the track, can you, if once you've built up your own equity, I'm the borrower, I've built up the own equity, mum and dad's put their property in as security, can I say, mum and dad, thanks for the memories, now I don't need you anymore? Absolutely. Well, um, hopefully they get a bottle of wine or flowers oh. at the end of it for helping you out. <laughs> yeah. But the they certainly are only a guarantor uh, while you're in a position where you don't have equity in the property. So it's very hard to give a time frame on that. Yeah. Um, the applicant's job is to be paying their loan down and building equity by reducing their loan. Uh, but a lot of it's dependent on what happens to the property value in the property that they've purchased. We track that very closely with our clients. So we had one uh, literally about a week ago, has only owned the investment property for two years. And he came to us and said, I just want to see where the value sits. So our, our team are also valuers. So we keep a close eye on this for clients that have that equity guarantee position. Um, so that as soon as the value goes up enough, they can release the equity from their parents. And that's a big thing for them. You know, it feels mm. like they get that next step of independence. The parents are then safeguarded. And, you know, like I said, this one was just on two years that he was able to do that because the market had increased so much. And that's something we often talk to our clients about. If you're an, in, an investor, first time investor, and you are using parent guarantee, 
it's really important to consider your strategy of, around investing. If you go into an asset that's not going to go up much in value, say an outlying regional area or some of the, the, the outlying areas around Queensland, we see a lot of people invest in, those areas might give you a great rental return, but the growth may not come through quickly. So your parents could be on the hook for 10 or 15 years if the growth isn't in the asset. Whereas if you look at going into a stronger growth strategy, it could have been as little as two to three years before you can release your parents off the equity. And then that's equity that you've built in that property. So I think it's really important under that particular product approach with that, that parent guarantee to know what strategy you're going in on and actually include your parents in that conversation. I think that's a really important word that our listeners keep in mind, that is strategy. What is your long-term strategy? And often I would imagine, Nathan, when people come and sit down with you, the big thing is what's the cheapest rate, right? And it's not about rate. In my experience, both in our industry, but also as a borrower, it's got to be more than about rate. How do you have that conversation with your clients? Yeah, I think a good analogy for that is the game of guess who. So we have this panel of 40 lenders there. And what we do is when we're speaking to a client and we're going through what their plans are for this property, how long do they plan to live in it? How long do they plan to hold the property? That strategy helps link back to the bank's policy and determine which banks they would be eligible for and wouldn't be eligible for. Mm. Um, we're looking at their income source, we're looking at their liabilities, we're looking at their family makeup, and all of that may determine which lender that we go with. So as we're having that conversation, in our head, we're knocking out the lenders that they're not eligible, and we're starting first of all and saying, well, where can we actually get a loan? Then we'll start to have a look at the type of products that are available, and then thirdly, we then start to look at the uh, rates and fees. So eventually you're knocking down Herman with the perm and the glasses. He's gone. Uh, the next person's gone. And then you get down to what is the motivator for our for the client at, at this point in time. And thinking of this point in time, um, you know, if we had uh, payment as we do on a regular basis for every time we've heard the word unprecedented or pivoted in the last 12 months, we would be a lot wealthier than we are now. But People are going to face challenges in 2021. What do you see, uh, Anna and Nathan, as the biggest challenges that our listeners may face as they start to dig deeper into the property experience in 2021? Let's start with you, Nathan. What we've seen so far at the end of 2020 and leading into 2021 is that uh, a lot of people have found that they are secure in their role. Um, they, there was some uncertainty throughout 2020. They now know that their job is safe. Mm. Uh, a lot of their other trips have been cancelled. So we're seeing the Europe 2020 fund now be converted into a property deposit. Uh, but there's a lot of competition out there. So I think the difficulty at the moment is uh, dealing with that frustration of having to go to open homes, being outbid by other people, queuing up around the corner to get into a property only to miss out. Uh, it can be really frustrating. And that's where someone like Anna can assist them um, by having a professional working for you and assisting you with that property purchase. So, and are you seeing that, that demand is outstripping supply at the moment? Absolutely. So we've been buying, for example, in Adelaide for about three years. Um, we've had great relationships with agents. We get a lot of stuff before it goes to market. In the last three to four months, we're getting outbid uh, by multiple buyers. There's multiple cash offers going on the table at prices well exceeding anything that is ours or the agent's expectation. So we're pulling out of a lot of those, those negotiations because we won't pay too much for a property. The good news is for our clients that we've been buying there for three years, values are going up because of that. 
the bad news is it gets really hard to buy in those markets. And that, you know, that's Adelaide, which is a smaller market compared to, say, your Sydney's and Melbourne's that are experiencing the same thing, but at million dollar plus price points. So it is a tough market. But, but I honestly think, to answer your question, I think the biggest challenge for buyers and investors in 2021 is actually going to be fear and noise. They're going to get a lot of information from the media around the economy in general, around the property market in general, and not just the media from their mate at a barbecue, you know, old Barry that bought a property in 1983 and is now an expert, he's going to have an opinion on it. And people are going to be taking on a lot of information and they're also going to have a level of fear because of what we've been through, as you say, this unprecedented time, Mm. it always is. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of just general fear in the economy and it's going to stop people from making good decisions. And as we've seen in 2020, uh, when the, when the um, pandemic first hit, a lot of our clients went on hold. They panicked, which I understand. That's fine. Go on hold, yeah. gather your thoughts, work out if you've got a job and then make a decision. But then we saw the property market push through that and actually perform really well across the country last year. So I think if people sit back and take another year out out of fear, there's going to be missed opportunity. And I think, you know, a lot of people are going to put decisions on hold and it's going to slow down. It's not just even about missing a market, but it's going to slow down their financial progression in general. And they're going to be back where they were even a year or two behind where they wanted to be. So there's no challenge in finding bad news to stop people from making a decision. Let's face it. If you want to find bad news, you're going to find it. So Absolutely. That's and the way uh, uh, monetized media works. Yep. Bad news sells. You rarely f- see a headline that says plane lands safely everyone's happy so <laughs> if yeah. you if you delve deep into the media reporting on the property market there's always going to be doomsayers and we had that in march we had um people who probably should have known better saying 25 30 percent is what you should wipe off the value of your property today yeah. and we, it just didn't happen it did didn't, it, it like didn't. Yeah. the financial cliff in september no one fell off it i mean there's individuals yes that had financial stress but there's also individuals that will always have financial stress and it's the smallest of circumstances that will push them over. But as an economy, as a global financial position, as a national financial position in our country, there was no cliff to be had. So we're not here to give people advice. We're here to get give them um, our experience and give them the benefit of the property experience. I want to move into a bit of a rapid round now. And you mentioned uh, Uncle Barry at the barbecue there, Anna. I want to throw some um, buzzwords that you might hear. And I want uh, maybe Nathan to share with us how often he, um, people come to the table as a client with these words. And Anna, maybe some um, opinion on whether you think that's a a sound approach or, or not in terms of strategy. One of the first buzzwords I want to... Um, throw at you is rent vesting. Rent vesting. Do you hear that a lot in your world, Nathan? Rent vesting. It's been a, a buzzword since about 2017. I think it, what didn't exist before then. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, I wasn't just buying a property. I was a rent vester. Yes. Um, definitely a, a, a plausible strategy. Again, go and get some advice on, on which way works for you. Um, but what it allows you to do is live in the suburb that you want to live in, uh, live in an area that suits you, but still be able to get into the market. And that's, again, where someone like Anna can come in that you, you may know your area well, but you may not know other suburbs. And you can go to them and get some expert advice on on where you should be looking to buy a property. Anna, rent vesting came in as... Um Nathan said around the time salted caramel was everywhere. It's a buzzword. We live with it. Do you see a lot of it? Do you recommend that as a strategy for some of your clients? I love it. I've done it with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law over the last few years. They would have been lifelong renters. Sorry, Tara and Marty, if you're listening. But they would have been lifelong renters because they had no desire to go out and buy something because they're spending most of their money on renting and they loved living in the inner west of Sydney, which 
for anyone living in the inner west of Sydney knows how expensive it is. Mm. We managed to get them some lower value, fairly cheap investment properties. They've now pulled out hundreds of thousands of dollars out of those investments to go buy their dream home. And the thing that's most interesting is how much their life has changed. When you're living in the inner west of Sydney, you don't have kids, you know, you're working in the city, you've got a lifestyle you know, fast forward five years, you've got kids, dogs, you know, you may not work in the city as much, one of you's off work. You don't want the house you wanted then. So it's given them the time to actually figure out what they want long-term and not go through multiple property transactions. You know, you buy the unit, then you buy the bigger unit, then you buy the townhouse. In New South Wales in particular, stamp duty is forty or $50,000 a pop for every one of those transactions. Mm. So this has allowed them to avoid hundreds of thousands of dollars in those upgrade fees and just get the home they're going to be in for 10 years now. So in that circumstance, a sound strategy gave them the chance to build the long-term strategy without missing out on the property experience. Absolutely. Best of both worlds. All right, next uh, buzzword, buy and flip. Nathan, do you get a lot of would-be moguls saying, I want to buy and flip, this is the start of something big? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think for some reason, every time the block comes on TV, we suddenly get the, the buy and flip coming in uh, fairly often. Uh, I think with that, again, is it's about sitting down and working out why do you want to buy and flip a property? Is, mm. is this just another get rich quick or, or what skills can you bring to the table that would potentially add value to this property? With this, again, I think there's so many uh, costs that aren't potentially shown on those TV shows. So stamp duty is one that Anna spoke about. There's hold costs. So there's loans being held and interest being paid on these loans. How are you going to cover these costs? How are you going to cover the cost of material? And even if you're doing that work yourself, when are you going to find time to do that? Are you going to quit your job or are you doing it on weekends and now this project is going to take a few years? Mm. Buy and flip, Anna? Look, let's be honest, when you run out of money in a renovation, you don't get to go out under the park and do a challenge and get another $50,000. The bank just laughs at you. And that's the reality a lot of people find themselves in. We do feasibility studies all the time on renovators through to full small developments. And usually the little renovators, there's not a lot of profit in it once you cover all those costs. So it can work, but is it a strategy I recommend a lot? No, unless you're an actual tradie and you can really get the value through your time. It's generally the market that does the work for you, not you sitting around painting at 2am. Yeah, buying and flipping is is good for people who have that skills and experience, but you're not going to get it on your first project. It can aid you. It can <laughs> test any relationship. And you talked about the, the uh, misinformation that sometimes we get from reality TV shows and um, two observations about the block. I d- still don't know what Shelley does on that show. She's there every week, but I don't know what she does. And <laughs> she they looks eat, pretty. <laughs> and they eat a lot of drive-through McDonald's on the block. Oh, yes. that. So McDonald's is definitely getting their money. Now, the uh, converse relationship with buy and flip is buy and hold. Do you get a lot of people, Nathan, coming to you and saying, buy and hold, this is my strategy. I think this is a good idea. This is probably one of the most popular strategies. Uh, again, it's all about getting advice. What works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Uh, but what this one allows you to do is hold the property, let time do its thing in the market, build equity in property and access that equity to continue to build a portfolio. Um, and I think Anna, Anna and I have had a few mutual clients that have worked that way and that's allowed them to build uh, a sizable portfolio. So we're also mentioning there's a lot of investment firms and advisors out there that say buy and hold, hold it for 10 years and you're guaranteed to get growth. I'm sorry, but my eight-year-old could do that. So you've got to consider what is a realistic hold. If you've got to wait 10 years to get growth, that's just lazy investing. So a three to five or a five to seven year strategy might be aligned to what you want to achieve out of it. So there is a hold period, you know, six, 12 months in the market is generally not enough unless you've got a development aspect. 
But you've got to really know how long you want to hold for. And there's two things I always think of is time in the market and timing into the market. So you want some time in the market, but if you get your timing right into the right markets at the right stage of the growth cycle, you'll minimise the amount of time you need in the market. So it gives you more options or in that 10 years, you might go through one and a half or two cycles and you, you know, you're going to get a better investment strategy if you can double down on timing and time in. Just putting time into the market, waiting 10 or 20 years, that's a really slow way to go about investing and it's, it is lazy investing. The property experience is all about timing. You mentioned timing in the market. Can you share some indicators on how to increase your chances of getting the timing right, Anna? Absolutely. There's some certainly some things that we look at as a health check on the market. So you want to go into areas where there's um, significantly strong employment coming through those markets because employment underpins the economy. Not short-term employment. Building a road is short-term employment. It's long-term employers. Um, so that comes through infrastructure and things like that, the right infrastructure. You also want to look at the rental market. If there is a really high vacancy, so there's not a lot of rental demand, there's a usually a close correlation to that with how properties are performing in terms of demand for buying. So if the rental vacancies are low, huge demand for rental property, that's often an indicator that there's a strong buoyant market there and it's a desirable location. Um, in terms of timing as well, if the market's already been through a big boom, you've heard you know year on year double digit growth for three years, you're probably buying at the peak, not before it. So people get so confident when they hear a market's done really well for three or four years in a row that that's when they jump in they've actually missed the boat. Mm. So you've got to get in before that happens. Uh, capital cities perform better than regional areas too generally. So if you're looking at good timing and good growth in a market, we've done a 20-year data capture. Capital cities have performed at 52% stronger growth than regional areas. So you, know, you do want to look at what type of market you're getting into to get that better growth and that timing right. And that's all about having those conversations throughout the process, not when it's time to buy because if you leave all your research to when I'm ready to buy, it can often be too late in your experience, Anna. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's one of those things that you, you've really got to put the strategy together first and then go looking for property. It's not the other way around. You don't find property and then wonder if it happens to fit the square peg in the round hole. <laughs> and Nathan, is that something you find with your clients that you're, they're coming to the table with one perception of time frame and experience ahead. And then through the conversation with that guess who game, you're actually saying, this is where we sit today and this is where we might need to go tomorrow? I think a lot of the time they come in with a, a couple of questions and, and they leave with more questions and answers in that first appointment. So I think building the right team around you is really important. So getting your buyer's agent, your, your broker, your conveyancer right, having that team, getting the advice in relation to your finances, in relation to the property and getting yourself in a position to then uh, purchase a home, that can be a two or three month process. Absolutely. Gone are the days where you could go buy a house and then put the finance together after. You know, that might have been pre-banking Royal Commission kind of approach. But if clients come to us now and say they haven't got a pre-approval in place, we will not even start the process with them because, as you know, it's getting harder and harder, Nathan, and they'll end up in the wrong product uh, trying to rush it through and it'll be an absolute nightmare. You know, we, we don't like to take on shit shows. So going and seeing your broker early and being ready, you might need to tweak some things in your finances and where you're spending your money and things like that we're hearing as well. So it's so critical to get that right now. Yeah, and, and this podcast is all about the property experience. And one thing that will give you value in the marketplace is having the moniker of a qualified buyer. Once you're a pro qualified buyer in the marketplace, you have 
the buying power to actually negotiate. If you go to a real estate agent and say, um, I'm thinking of, they're straight away going to think, well, this person is not serious. A qualified buyer has power. So if someone wants to become a qualified buyer, they come to you, Nathan, they have that experience. How does the long-term strategy and the Birdie Wealth strategy marry up with your clients? So with our clients, the one thing that we do, which is unique, is that we check in on their loan every six months. So we're constantly reviewing their loan. We're making sure that new to bank clients aren't getting a better offering than they are. So we'll approach their current lender and rework their rates. At that time, we're also checking in to see, has there been any changes with their family or in their employment that may affect their loan going forward? Um, has their strategy changed between now and six months ago? And as Anna spoke about earlier, we're looking and checking in on the equity position and seeing, well, has the property grown in value? Can we remove a guarantor? Or can we tap into some of this equity and buy an investment property? So I know earlier in the show, we spoke about buying a property without a deposit and we, we probably focus predominantly on first time buyers. Mm. But if I have a home, I have the family home and I've had that for 10 years, there may be equity available there and I can use that equity to go and purchase an investment property. I don't have to go and save up that five or 10% deposit again. We can tap in and grab that equity and use that uh, to purchase a property. And it links back to that overall strategy that Anna talked about. You mentioned before that you have valuers as part of the Suburbanite team to help with this ongoing process. How else does uh, the team help on, on an ongoing basis, Anna? Yes, yeah, so our clients get annual reports on what's happening in the market. So they've always got visibility across any changes in the markets we've purchased in for them. So if there's some equity, they can go again. If the rental market's tightening, they can potentially ask for more rent, things like that. Uh, but also just there to hold their hand. You know, one of our clients called us recently and her husband was very unwell and they needed to make some decisions around their broader portfolio and we hadn't purchased all of those properties for them. So it was just about being the trusted advisor, their property partner to step into that role. She could focus on what she needed to do with her husband while we pulled the team together and said, what should we sell? What should we keep? What agents do we talk to? What financial planners do we talk to? What mortgage brokers do we need to talk to to make the right decisions? And we like to think of ourselves as a property partner for all of our clients because property is not a single transactional decision. If, if you do it that way, you're doing it wrong. It's about constantly reviewing and constantly reassessing where you're at and making sure you're going to be in a better position next year than you were last year. Absolutely agree. The property experience is all about having the right team. It's the team sport, let's face it. So there's a lot of pathways people can go down to go on that experience journey. But the destination needs to be as good as the journey because if you don't have good people with you, you're not going to get a good result. So thank you very much, Anna, for sharing your insight today. Nathan, thank you very much for sharing your insight. That's another episode of Property Experience in the Can. Thanks a lot for listening today and enjoy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Property Experience. Stay tuned for more great content.